Welcome to Hope from the Front Lines. Each week, we peek beyond the headlines, finding stories of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color doing the heavy lift, protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. Throughout Chicagoland and across the country, our nursing homes continue to bear the brunt of the COVID-19 pandemic. For the past 11 months, the linoleum-tiled hallways of these facilities have carried not only orderlies, gurneys, and residents, but also more than 38% of all COVID-19-related deaths in America. Staggering numbers. But what many don't know is that the staff of these facilities and the industry advocates that fight for them were not in the least bit surprised by the magnitude of this tragedy. For decades, they have watched owners cut staff in favor of profits, leaving workers and residents to pay the price. Now the pandemic has exacerbated what were already deeply entrenched problems. Workers who have been underpaid and overworked for decades are reaching their breaking point. You get so frustrated that that, that you have such a big um, workload. Not only do you get frustrated, but the residents get frustrated themselves that they start getting angry. They don't understand. It takes way longer for, for, for us to have to suit up and have to go take care of each one of them in the COVID area that it sometimes is impossible. The time is just not enough. The chaotic environment can sometimes lead to mistakes. And with an opportune virus like COVID-19, mistakes can be deadly. Before, it was hard to get people to work in these jobs because they're hard work, demanding work, um, and they're short-staffed, and the employers haven't done the right thing. And now it's even harder because in addition to them being hard jobs, they're now deadly jobs. And as I said, no one wants to die for a nursing home bottom line. They just don't want to do it. I'm Maurice Basalen with Breaking Point. Sometimes there are just call lights going off and these people need assistance. If I'm in a room and I'm taking 15 minutes taking care of somebody while all these lights are going off, times 20 people, sometimes it's impossible. That's Regina Rodriguez on how understaffing has made properly caring for residents during the pandemic all but impossible. She works at Willowbrook Nursing Home in Sandwich, Illinois, where she sometimes cares for up to 40 clients at once. If I'm assigned to, to the COVID area, um, I get in the morning, um, I have to, you know, put my, my gown on, I put my mask on, um, you cover your head, you put booties on, uh, gloves, uh, face shield, and then you go in. After you go in, you have to get every single one of them ready for breakfast. Residents sometimes wait hours for meals. When you're short staff and let's say you have COVID unit some of them can't feed themselves. So like it takes, it takes way longer. So like the whole process is just, it's, it's terrible for them. The new normal has taken an emotional toll on residents as well. Most of them are just so depressed. It's just terrible. When you show stuff, you have no time. You go, you get them ready. And some of them say, I won't see you for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And, I, and all you can say is, you know, if you need me, you call me. But yeah, sometimes... Sometimes I won't be back unless you really need me. I can't just come back and sit in here and talk to you like how I used to. That COVID-19 has exposed understaffing as an issue in nursing homes is a surprise to no one. Longtime care advocates have been calling for owners to address the issue for years. Nursing homes have been in crisis for a very long time. Um, They've been chronically short-staffed. They've been short of supplies. 
the pandemic has really brought it to the world's attention and, and that a lot of people are dying preventable deaths, all, all for this pursuit of profit. That's Shaba Andrich, Vice President of Nursing Homes for SEIU Healthcare, a union local affiliate with the Service Employees International Union, which has over 2 million members across the U.S. and Canada. 2010 is when the staffing law went into effect, and here we are, 2020, and no nursing home that, that we have identified is properly staffed. None of them. None of them are properly staffed according to the minimum that the state is requiring. Andrich is referring to the 2010 Illinois Nursing Home Reform Act. Signed by Governor Pat Quinn, the law mandates that facilities provide 3.8 hours of direct care staffing for every skilled care resident. You had 10 years to get it right. Your funding has increased over the 10 years, but you still can't find enough staff. Um, it just shows where the priorities are. For-profit nursing homes claim they lack funds to properly staff. But according to a May 2020 investigation by the New York Times, many of these facilities hide huge profits. Owners create new companies to buy real estate holdings and rent the property back to their facilities. They push their homes to spend above-market rates for ambulance services, rental equipment, and pharmaceuticals, all supplied by companies they own. I'm not just the operator of a nursing home. I'm the operator and I'm the landlord. And so if I increase the rent, who gets that money? They're not even making most of their money in the operations anymore. They're making most of their money through real estate, through private equity. And so what happens in the nursing home, as long as they can keep beds filled, that's what they care most about. Um, and, and, and they just hope that they don't get caught for being short-staffed. They're hoping that they don't get sued. Understaffing has led to deadly consequences in nursing homes for decades. Here's Regina Rodriguez again, talking about the dangers of trying to carry a workload that would be difficult for twice as many employees. You're just not around to, to, to cater to everybody. So because of that, we've seen an increase on falls, we've seen an increase on bed sores. Infected bed sores can lead to sepsis, a sometimes deadly blood infection that has ravaged nursing homes. A joint investigation by Kaiser Health News and the Chicago Tribune showed that in Illinois, approximately 6,000 nursing home residents a year are hospitalized for sepsis. One in five don't survive. We've heard cases where residents have gotten um, maggots into their bed sores. Um, and, you know, and that's crazy, right? Um, where they've unwrapped uh, resident head wraps. And, and they've been able to find maggots in the head wrap. And so it's things like that that have happened at nursing homes, and it's, it's not uncommon. True to its opportunistic nature, the pandemic has turned an industry stress point into a critical breach. Already vulnerable to the virus, nursing home residents are further compromised by short staffing, which has created an environment ripe for the spread of COVID-19. Sometimes you're in a rush. You don't think about the small details of, of cleaning properly or, or doing certain things properly. You know, you're, sometimes you're just in such a rush that you, you're not thinking clearly. If you have a COVID resident, then they need to be in isolation. And if I'm stressed as a worker, if I'm constantly stressed um, and working um, short staff, then it's more likely I'm just going to make a mistake. Like, people are human. Under conditions like these, a sometimes asymptomatic virus like COVID-19 can spread rampantly through a nursing home. 
It's a horrifying prospect for residents and staff. In the beginning, every time that I didn't feel good or every time I had a headache or every time you had like, oh, my throat feels weird, you would just freak out. And my daughter, my little girl, she's so lovey that, you know, she cuddles with me so much or she she's always wanting to kiss you. And if you don't kiss her on the lips, she wants to know why. She'd ask me, why are you sick? You know, it took it took such a toll on me that that I couldn't really touch her the same. Regina has decided to soldier on and stay at Willowbrook, but many in the field have chosen otherwise, seeking less stressful and safer employment. The mass exodus has exacerbated staff problems by creating a dearth of qualified work candidates. People are being paid very little money to work in nursing homes. And so do I want to go to a nursing home and potentially die to earn close to minimum wage? Most people would answer no. And so people are leaving the industry left and right. Once we started hearing about the incredible death rates from COVID-19 in nursing homes, it was a natural question for us to ask, what are the predictors of that? Which nursing When the COVID-19 virus began spreading across America less than a year ago, it was immediately clear that nursing homes were going to get hit hard. Health researchers like Dr. Tamara Konetska with the Department of Medicine at the University of Chicago began to study what predictors could determine which homes would get hit hardest. For example, the, the level of quality as measured by the star ratings that the federal government puts out, um, you know, or the staffing ratios, or, uh, you know, the for-profit, not-for-profit status. The study found that most of these factors had little bearing on the number of COVID-19 outbreaks in the facility. Instead, race played the largest factor. Race was a much bigger predictor than any of those things. So for nursing homes that have a higher percent non-white, for example, um, they were more than twice as likely to have at least one case in the nursing home. The study found that because nursing home residents often come from surrounding communities, homes with minority residents are suffering from the same disproportionately high rates of COVID-19 as their communities because it is circulating in from hotspots. Nursing homes in these neighborhoods get hit with what Dr. Konetska calls a double whammy. Residents are more likely to contract COVID-19, and when they do, they receive a lower standard of care. If you live in a low-income neighborhood, the nursing home in that neighborhood is more likely to, to be under-resourced, have a high Medicaid census, have you know, low reimbursements, uh, low staffing, and you know, generally exhibit all the signs of, of being much lower quality. Than, uh, than the typical nursing home in a, in a whiter neighborhood. It's easy to lose faith that the level of care in America's underfunded nursing homes can ever improve. But Dr. Konetska hopes that the pandemic will push Americans to question their priorities when it comes to elder care. And I think it comes down again to this issue of resources. We pay for long-term care, we pay for nursing home care in a very fragmented way and it's heavily reliant on Medicaid. And so at any given point in time, about two thirds of the people in a typical nursing home are on Medicaid uh, because nursing home care is really expensive. So even if you have some assets, you spend them down quickly. We've consistently underfunded nursing home care. It's just something that people don't want to think about. And for Regina Rodriguez, it's a matter of doing what she has always done, pushing through the frustration and fear to help those who most need her care. We tried to go in the rooms and 
I don't know, make him laugh or put some music on. Some of them like to dance. We just, we just try to be, you know, we are currently all they have their family members. Most of them don't, don't get to go. And if they get to go, they see them through the window and they gotta be on the phone, which is frustrating for the residents that sometimes don't understand that that's the rule. It's sad and currently, yes, we are all they have. So if we can make somewhat, you know, like I said, a difference for them, that's what we try to do. Thank you for joining Hope from the Front Lines. Our series is produced by Juneteenth Productions with funding support from the McCormick Foundation. Join us next week for another story of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are available. Do you have a story to share? Join us in the ongoing conversation on our Facebook page, Hope from the Front Lines.